Humans are drawn to narrative. We like a story that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, because our lives are structured that way. We're born without much choice in the matter. We live a life where we do some things in the middle, and then after it's all said and done, we tie up the loose ends, or not, and pass on. For some, however, the idea of life ending, of permanent burial and closure, is anything but peaceful. It's not something to accept, but something to correct. It's sometimes said that cryonics is the second worst thing that can happen to you. The worst thing that can happen is to, to, uh, to die without cryonics. Jim Yount is the acting president of the American Cryonics Society, a non-for-profit that helps connect people to services that will vitrify them indefinitely after death, in the hopes that one day science will be able to revive them. His office is in Sunnyvale, in the heart of Silicon Valley. Let's see. Um, and has a large bookshelf in the corner. Prolongevity, freezing down. We've got, what do you care what other people think? A couple of copies of the Bible. The office is small, only two connecting rooms, and looks and smells like it hasn't changed since the early 80s. In one room sits an extensive bookshelf next to a pile of large orange boxes, emergency supplies for an unexpected freezing. The modern cryonics movement started in 1964, when a man named Robert Ettinger wrote a book called The Prospect of Immortality. The possibility of life after death is explored in Phoenix, Arizona by the Cryonic Society. They believe that cryobiology, the freezing of biological matter, is the answer. They propose freezing bodies in cold storage capsules. Scientists are mostly skeptical. A model demonstrates how one person, a California man who died of cancer, has already been frozen. A freezing liquid replaces the blood supply and the subject is wrapped in aluminum foil and placed in a capsule at 220 degrees below zero centigrade. Jim first heard about cryonics on the Johnny Carson Show. Robert Ettinger appeared on the program and talked about the subject of cryonics and the fact that the first man to be frozen uh, with the idea of someday perhaps coming back, uh, that that event had happened and that interested me, sure, why not? What do I possibly have to lose? But Jim didn't make any immediate moves to sign up until years later. When I came to California, and I was looking in a mirror, shaving, and saw those first few gray hairs appeared. And I said to myself, if you're going to make arrangements to be frozen yourself, you better do it. So in 1972, he began to make some phone calls. At first, it was difficult. He didn't even know what the process was called. I finally talked to someone, uh, I think, in the anatomy department at Stanford, and uh, they said, well, the word is cryogenics. Well, that wasn't really the word, but uh, at least that gave me uh, a, a place to start. After many cold calls, he reached the Bay Area Cryonic Society. But they were so new, they didn't have any mechanism for interested people to sign up. I thought there'd be thousands and thousands of people signed up for cryonics, but I found out that wasn't the case at all, and it was still something very much in its infancy, and if I really wanted the service, I was going to have to pitch in and be a volunteer, kind of like volunteer firemen do. Since the mid-70s, Jim has been volunteering in a variety of roles. But cryonics has never become the mainstream phenomena him and other cryonicists believe it should be. Since 1972, there's only been eh, maybe 320, 340 people frozen worldwide. 300 is an incredibly small number when you think about how many people have died since the 1970s. I do not know why there are not um, lines 
a block long in front of every cryonics organization of people trying to sign up. Jim thinks people are too comfortable with the idea of blacking out one day and never waking up. He doesn't understand why more people wouldn't make this choice for themselves. We've become very familiar with the usual ways of living and dying, and people expect that you're going to be buried or be cremated. And there's been literally thousands of years when these were the only options. And then the American Cryonic Society comes along and we say, well, maybe there's another option. Maybe you really don't have to die for forever for sure. There's a possibility that you can be frozen and, and maybe uh, come back someday. And it just does not fit in the way people have grown up and thought about death and dying. For Jim, the acceptance of death is simply cultural conditioning. So when people do die, it's doubly tragic. They're gone in both body and soul. A complete death. Uh, the grieving process is more difficult when friends and family members who are not signed up for cryonics die. Because it's, you, you wish you could reach out and say, George, you could have lived forever, but you didn't understand. And that's hard. A cryonicist looks at death not as a finality, but as a juncture. But there is a hope that comes from having signed up for cryonics. Um, okay, so, so do you think that that hope... When thinking about death, many people turn to a god or a higher power. Jim puts his faith in science. I think it does. I think, uh, you know, we're not going to heaven, we're going to the future. 